You're listening to the Moms Working Overtime podcast, the community of women you've been searching to find for so long. We bring together our mamas in waiting, brand new moms, stay-at-home moms, working moms, and the moms who maybe just have a little bit more experience than the rest of us. We're all here for community, support, and finding ways to show up better for our families each and every day. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I hope you love what you find on today's episode. Welcome back to the Moms Working Overtime podcast. I'm super excited for yet another amazing interview that I have for you all today. And Today, our topic is homeschooling and just diving into all of the common questions about homeschooling. I know so many moms either are already tackling this or are interested in tackling this. And so I wanted to bring on a great friend of mine. Her name is Ashley, who does this with her own family and does an amazing job at it. Um, But just someone that I really admire who has poured her heart and soul, not only into a career and a passion for teaching, but into doing this directly for her family and taking back control of their own learning and their experiences with schooling. So today I have for you, Ashley Rodriguez. I'm super excited to talk to her. Ashley, if you don't mind, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hello guys. Yes, I am Ashley Rodriguez. I am a mom of three, which is crazy to say. Um, I have a 12 year old, um, a four year old, and then I have my little guy, my nine month old. So they're all over the place. Um, we didn't have a set plan there (laughs) when it came to having kids, but, um, it's been awesome. I've been married to my husband ish now for coming up on six years and yeah, I am now a stay at home mom who homeschools her littles. And the funny part is when you texted me the other day about our little girl coming in January, I realized that as excited as you are for me, you're also, your heart is breaking because that means your littlest will be one year old. As soon as I put two and two together, I was like, Ooh, she wants my pregnancy to last as long as it can. (laughs) Yes. No, it's, it's so crazy how, and I know we'll kind of get into this a little bit, but the third one, him, and just how everything has gone by being his mom. It's gone by so fast, but I've also just savored every single moment with him because he is our last. So (laughs) you just hang on to everything and it's gone by so fast and he'll be one in January, which is absolutely insane. I'm terrified for the last the last lasts. I think I could cry just thinking about it. And I know that we're not even done yet, (laughs) but but we'll get into all things motherhood. Now, you know, from listening to the podcast, I always ask the same question to every single mama when we get started, because I think it's something that's so relatable. Just all of us thinking about who we used to be, who we are now trying to merge together, those two women and figure out what the future is. So Ashley, before motherhood, Who were you? What type of expectations did you have? Are you the kind of mom that you thought you would be? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've heard you ask this question, you know, on the, I listened to the podcast and I feel like my response, it's different because Aria, she's, you know, 12 years old, she's older. I had her at such a young age and I say such a young age. I was 20 when I had her. So it wasn't, you know, the youngest possible, but I was still growing up myself. So I feel like a lot of the growing up that I did happened with my, you know, first one with Aria, because before her, 
I was in college, I was getting ready to, you know, start my adult life. I was still a kid. Who are we kidding? Thinking that we are adults after 18, but so I, you know, I, I was, I grew up with her and I think that, um, I wasn't this person who, you know, I wasn't set in my career or anything like that. So, um, I've done so much changing right along with being a mom. Um, definitely not the mom now that I expected to be back then. Um, I was going to school. I was going to be a teacher which I know we'll get into. I was going to be a career mom, right? Um, I never, I told myself, because my mom was actually a stay-at-home mom. And I said, I will never do that. Like, I couldn't possibly imagine staying home with the kids. That word, never. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we kidding, right? Um, but I just never expected to be a stay-at-home mom and let alone homeschooling my kids because my profession was going towards teaching. Um, so to answer, you know, that question vaguely, I guess, I hadn't found myself yet before having kids. So after, as Aria grew up, I was coming into myself. And I feel like when I had Emery, that's kind of where the transition started to happen. And, you know, I was a teacher, I was getting started with, you know, my career, and just trying to navigate being a mom, and, you know, being just living life with, kids that rely on everything that <laughs> you have to do for them. And I'm sure too, with having a few years between each child, between each delivery, you probably felt like a different person already with each child and approached motherhood very differently, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. I mean, ev literally every single pregnancy, every single delivery, um, every single child has been so so incredibly different. Um, so with Aria, I was young. I didn't really know what to expect. And luckily, I had my parents a lot of help because like I said, I was young. Um, with Emery, she proved to be <laughs> a little bit difficult, which she still is very strong willed, lots of emotions in that tiny little body. Um, and then now with Ezra, it's like, I feel like with him, I've truly I feel bad for my other two, because with him now, it's like, I can breathe and finally like enjoy motherhood, if that makes sense to, you know, everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so I just am a lot more chill than I was with Emery. And um, it's just been amazing, though, to look back and see how different it's been for every single one. Emery has that middle child attitude. I'm a middle child. So we all got to stand together. My mom always says like as stubborn as I was and as let's be honest, as much of a pain in the butt as I was to raise, she always said I was the one, if anyone's going to change the world, it's those middle children. So <laughs> me and Emery can hang together. She's got this. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's let's dive a little bit more into your teaching career, because I know that that kind of paved the way for all of this and just your confidence with homeschooling. So can you talk a little bit more about what led you to that career path, but then also what led to you stepping away from that career path? Yeah, absolutely. So I have I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was little. I still have memories of sitting my little sisters down and playing, you know, school with them. And I was the teacher. And so I knew I always wanted to do that. Um, I also have a family of teachers. My stepmom's a teacher. My aunt is a teacher, multiple aunts who are teachers. So it was kind of always just, that's what I was going to do. Um, and then 
of course, the schedule is not bad, right? Summer's off and holidays off. And I knew I always wanted to be a mom. So I thought that was perfect. I can still be there for my kids, but I get to, um, you know, have the career and have that for myself, as I would have said back then. (laughs) So teaching, you know, I went to school and um, I got the grade that I wanted. Everything was really awesome when it came to that. Um, I taught fourth grade for a couple years and then I went into third grade and I was there for um, five years teaching third grade, which teachers, any teachers that are listening to me, for me, that was like the sweet spot right there. They're not um, old enough to where they're giving you too much attitude, but they aren't young enough to where you're still having to like wipe noses. (laughs) so teaching like I said it was always you know what was going to happen for me and um as I continued to teach um teaching is just one of those careers that I feel like the burnout is real um it's very demanding I know you know lots of people here and see like yes we get these summers off we get the holidays off we're only at school from, you know, eight to three or whatever time your school schedule is, but it's so much more um, away from that. And the the meetings and um, the, the testing demands, it just so much has changed in the teaching career since I was in school. And I remember looking at my teachers and thinking like, oh, this is so much fun. Like, this is what I, I want to be her, you know, whatever teacher it was. I can still remember the teacher that I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be just like Mrs. Tennyson. That was my second grade teacher. (laughs) That's (laughs) so amazing though. Yeah, Mrs. Tennyson. And then I also had my kindergarten teacher. That was Miss Huberger. And they were both like, just, you know, those young, fun teachers who I just, I, I loved them. And that's who I wanted to be. Um, like I said, though, teaching, it's changed a lot and it's so much more geared towards, the testing and are they at grade level and all of those requirements. And so I think the burnout really did start to happen. Um, But it was, you know, I mean, this is my job. This is what I have to do. I have to earn an income. Um, But then the world got crazy, right? We all know about the time the world got crazy and things started really changing. Um, And I realized that this, I, I couldn't do this for, 20, 30 more years until retirement, especially with the changes that were coming into to place. Um, so I, you know, decided that it was time to step away from teaching, um, which was such a bittersweet time, because like I said, this is what I always wanted to do since I was younger. Um, but at the same time, it just wasn't filling my cup anymore. And so um, stepped away from teaching what's it been uh gosh, three or four years now. Wow, that's crazy. So it's been like <laughs> three or four years. Um, but after that, I was lucky enough to find a job working from home, right? So that's amazing because I've got uh two little ones at this point. I mean, Aria wasn't so little, but um got to work from home, got into the health and fitness industry, and I, you know, loved it because I had just started finding my groove in health and fitness feeling good. I know you talk a lot about, you know, postpartum and, you know, health and mm-hmm. fitness and being healthy, all the things. Well, I was in that um, season of my life. And so finding a career in that uh, felt really good. I was able to help other moms do what I was doing and, you know, losing weight and all the things. Um, and so I feel like I've gone off on a tangent now, but um, <laughs> 
going and um, getting into the health and fitness industry and working from home and having the kids. And it was good. It was great being able to be there. Um, But once again, I just felt this tug, like whenever I was teaching, there was a, like something pulling me away now working in the health and fitness industry. Well, Hey, Ashley, you're lucky. You get to work from home. You have, you know, your kids there. And it's like, there's still this, this tug, this pool. And, you know, that's what kind of made me step away from um, that career after doing that for almost uh, two years, I think it was. Once again, there's this pool, there's this tug of something else that I'm supposed to be doing. And now here I am staying at home with my kids and teaching them. So it's kind of nice too. I mean, they can't see me, but you can see like I've got, you know, a calendar and the books everywhere. And so I still get to have that passion of teaching, but I get to do it for the little humans that I love most in the entire world. So that's it awesome. is cool, everyone. I know listening to the podcast, we we don't throw these on YouTube yet. We don't have video versions of the podcast yet, but Ashley has her little classroom set up behind her. I was just complimenting her before we got started with recording and just saying like, I love this for you. You can tell she's in her element. She's got her little classroom back there. But y'all, Ashley and I, I was lucky enough to be friends with Ashley when she made her first scary decision of leaving teaching. And I can tell you, this is my reassurance for moms that listen who feel that tug. We all feel this, these intuitions as moms. And sometimes these intuitions are related to, we think something's wrong. We need to, you know, get professional help with something, or we feel these intuitions related to, Hey, I think I need to make this decision for my family. Like you did with stepping away from a career or, you know, starting to homeschool my children. When you feel those intuitions as a mom, you have to know that those are there on purpose. And that's a reassurance. I was just talking to a friend actually this morning about, you know, she felt like something was going on with her son health wise. And one doctor brushed her off and the next doctor just seemed a little unsure. And they just kept going. And just how important it is that when your mama heart tells you you're supposed to do something or act on something, listen, because it is so, so powerful. And when Ashley was making this decision, (laughs) I hope it's okay that I share this, but there was a lot of tearful phone calls. I can remember late at night driving home in the dark and you and I would be on the phone and you said over and over and over again, I think this is what I need to do. I think it's what I need to do, but it's scary. It's scary to step away from safety. It's scary to step away into the unknown, not being sure what's going to come or, you know, knowing that these littles depend on you. So if there's a mom listening who feels any type of that intuition, listen, listen, even if it's scary, listen and explore the idea of it and lean on your mama friends like Ashley and I did just taking those calls and saying like, Ash, you got to go for it. There is there's nothing but good that can come out of it. So I'm just proud of you because I know it's been a lot of scary decisions in the last five years that have just led you here. And The last of those, the most recent of those being pulling the kids from school, going homeschooling full-time. And I know there's moms who, if they're thinking about homeschooling, that's the scariest decision is it right. Is like pulling them out of school and stepping away from that traditional style. What helped you make that decision? What made you confident in that decision? Yeah. So two like major things I feel like whenever it comes to this, first and foremost, kind of ties back to whenever I was teaching, I was spending more time with other people's kids than my own. I'm in a classroom for seven to eight hours. That means that 
my children are spending more time with their teacher than they were spending uh, like with me as a family, their mom who carried them for nine months, you know? So that was a big thing. The second thing, which, you know, at the time, Emory, um, she was younger, so she wasn't in school yet. I did take her to preschool, but Aria was really the one that that was like the determining, you know, who that I was going to pull her out from public school. And I still remember after, you know, me teaching for eight hours, her being in a classroom for eight hours, we would still come home and we were spending two plus hours on homework. That's insane. It's wild. (laughs) And I mean, tears, frustration, having to, you know, step away from each other because I'm losing it with my child because she can't just understand something, you know, uh, just so frustrating to think about. And I just remember thinking over and over, why? Why are we doing this? You know, there she doesn't need to be spending two more hours outside of school. And, you know, I understand I was a student who um, things kind of just came pretty easy for me. And it's not like that for everyone. And it wasn't like that for Aria, especially when it came to math. It was a struggle. And I always just remember feeling like, nope, I got to keep on, you know, we, we have to do this. You have to get this, Aria, because this is what you have to do. This is what the standards say, right? And I just remember feeling like this, I don't want it to be like this, especially whenever we have so much limited time together. Why are we going to spend it stressing over doing schoolwork? And, well, and I think too, Ashley, not to interrupt you, but it's not only what they have to do but they have to do it a certain way. And I think that stresses parents out as much as it stresses out the student of, we can't just arrive at the right answer. You have to arrive at the right answer using this new method and and structure it the exact same. And it is, it's very overwhelming, I think, for both the parent and the child. And that stress just multiplies on itself. Yes, exactly. It's just, it's too much. It's great that they teach kids all these different ways. That's awesome. But you shouldn't be set on having to do one specific way. Like, Oh, yes, I just the frustration is real thinking back to it. But <laughs> ultimately, those are the you know two things along with the world just being crazy at the time. And, um, you know, this, there's a lot of things that are starting to happen in schools that are being taught to children that I absolutely will not have my children learn those different things that they want them to teach, which again, is why I decided to homeschool her because guess what I get to decide what she's learning and how she's learning it. But not only am I making that decision like individually as myself, but she's helping me because Aria, she learns with, you know, Aria loves animals. She is obsessed with anything and everything animals. And so I can build an entire unit of learning around animals. And guess what? She's going to be way more interested in that than in, you know, whatever is in a textbook at school um, where she's having to sit there and learn at a desk. And I just, again, that pool, right. And I, you know, I believe strongly in my faith and every single thing that has happened to me up until this point was God pushing me in this direction to where I am right now, being able to have my kids at home and teach them in the way that I want to, you know, teach them. So ultimately it was, you know, those two big things right there where I was like this, let's just try this out. Right. And see what happens. Just that constant trust and faith that you're exactly where you're supposed to be and that everything that's happened to you has happened to you on purpose to make you who you needed to be, to be most effective here. So I I love it. And 
obviously you have a background in teaching. So that can be intimidating for a mom who doesn't have that background or maybe feels nervous coming into this experience, considering this experience, but there's programs that you follow. So I know that there's multiple different options out there. Would you mind sharing the program that you use, why you use it, but also I know that there's some like a handful that are popular. Could you give just the listeners some ideas of what's out there so that they could look into them? Yeah. So it's very different too. So Emery's TK now. She's technically TK. And then Aria is technically sixth grade. And so the programs and stuff I'm learning, right? I It's trial and error, um, but it's very different for both of them. But one of my favorite uh, programs that I started using when Aria, I pulled her and that was fourth grade, was a program called The Good and the Beautiful. And you can, I mean, look them up. They've got tons of stuff. They have tons of free resources. So I remember that's where we started with Aria. You can download their ELA for free, which is English language arts, and you can just try it out and see how it works. Um, It is faith-based curriculum, um, but it's not faith-based in the sense of like, okay, every single word that they say is, you know, God and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But, um, and that's a topic that Aria was really interested in as well. And she had, you know, at the beginning of the year, which this is going off on a tangent and I'll bring it back, but she, we sit down and I'm like, what are things that you want to learn about this year? And one of the things on her list was always, I want to learn more about God. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to do a, a program where guess what? You're writing sentences. Well, some of those sentences might be Bible verses and mm-hmm. we're going to you know, integrate it all and learn that way. But I love the good and the beautiful as far as um, math and English language arts. We've even done a couple of science from them as well. Um, and then now with Emery, we're doing the preschool book for her and she loves it too. So you can pick and choose different subjects from different programs as well. That is so interesting. Yes. So you do not have to say, okay, I'm going to do the good and the beautiful. I have to do social studies, like everything with them. No, we um, completely, you know, take different pieces from everywhere. And that is homeschool. And what works for me, you know, I really want people to know what works for me is not necessarily what's going to work for you and your child because children are different, which is brings us back. Why are we homeschooling? Because every child learns differently. So you get to cater the learning to their learning styles and what they enjoy. So other than the good and the beautiful, what would you say are a few of the really popular ones, especially if, okay, let's say maybe someone wants one that doesn't have the faith portion integrated in, what are some other options? So um, as far as math for Aria this year, we moved away from the good and the beautiful because it's, like I said, math has kind of been a struggle for her and um, it wasn't really doing what we needed to do in the good and the beautiful. So this year we're trying out something called Beast Academy. They have workbooks, but they also have um, things on the computer and it is all comic. The lessons are all comics. And that's really popular these days. Don't ask me to read a comic book. I have no, I don't even know like where to go. She can sit there though. And she can do that on her own. So that was a good one that she really um, enjoyed. Um, And then I know there are sites like, um, you know, that literally if you just go on the web and you type in homeschool curriculum, you're going to have endless things, you know, come up and options. There's even websites where it's faith-based, but they will provide to you like, okay, if you don't want faith-based, get these books instead of these books types of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, li- I love subscriptions. Emery does a lot of subscriptions. She has what's called a preschool box. So every month they send a box. It has books in it and it has 
um, a letter for every week. We do a craft and um, it even incorporates like numbers. So, so math within the um, language arts. And so we really enjoy that. Um, and then as far as like social studies and science goes, we found a lot of different like subscriptions for that one. Schoolhouse Discoveries was really fun. We just did a whole unit on Antarctica and penguins. Um, and because of the fact that I've have two very different age levels, we I try to make social studies and science something that we can do as a family so that it's not everything is separated. Um then some like great websites and things to use. Emory loves Starfall, which is a script subscription that anybody could get for their kids. Um, and then there is, what are some other ones that I, they're doing IXL, which is something again, like on the computer. Um, gosh, there's an endless amount. I need to give you like a list too. Cause I know you put stuff like in the description. Yeah. I can put something in the, maybe drop some links in the description. That's super helpful for sure. So you've seen both sides. You've seen the, the structured school setting and now you're doing the homeschool setting. When you compare the two, what are the primary differences you've noticed, not just for you on the teaching side of things, but even in just the way that they receive it. And I know Emory's still pretty young, but just the way that they receive it and respond to schooling. Yeah. So Aria, definitely I can, it's where I can see the biggest difference because she is older and she did go to public school for TK all the way up until fourth grade. So that's quite a bit to, you know, go and do public school. And I think some of the biggest differences, number one, like she's learning one-on-one now. So she's not sitting in the classroom feeling lost for an hour in a math lesson and then coming home and then me trying to reteach her that, which again, going back to why I took her out of school, well, she wasn't necessarily learning everything that she needed to know. So it's that one-on-one teaching. Emory, does Emory like to sit down in a chair and learn? No, typically we're sitting on the floor. We've got like these little pillow things up against the wall and she is moving around and doing whatever she wants. And sometimes the teacher in me gets really stressed out and is like, oh my gosh, she's not learning anything. But guess what? She will come back two days later sometimes even two hours later and she repeats to me what I was teaching in that moment and I could cry because it's a special feeling to know like okay I am teaching my kids something she was listening she was listening she wasn't just you know writing on the walls or whatever craziness Emory is up to but it's definitely that one-on-one I both my kids learn completely differently and I can tailor it to them in a public school setting they're not going to get that and I'm not I hope people know like I am not knocking anybody who sends their kids to public school I was a public school teacher and you do what you need to do for your kids but the biggest difference is you're you have a teacher in a classroom with 30 students compared to you sitting there and hey guess what you're not having a good day all right let's take let's take a break let's step away from it right so that's one of the biggest things whenever it comes to homeschooling the second thing too is you get to decide we just sat here and talked about resources and curriculum and all of that you get to decide what it is that your kids are learning We bought a curriculum at the beginning of the school year and we've completely stepped away from it. It was not suiting us. It was not suiting my daughter's needs. So guess what? We got to just put it on the shelf and hey, maybe my next child will do better with that one. But 
the decision is yours on how you want to teach your kids and what you want to teach your kids. A large majority of our homeschool day is about our faith. It's about God. We start our day with a devotional, with a podcast, and we're learning, you know, the Ten Commandments and all of those things. And I get to make that decision because the school's not going to teach my child about that. And although, hey, you absolutely can still have your kids in public school and teach them all that stuff. But just for us, that's a large part of what we do in a day. Um The third thing I would say is your child is not going to get left behind. In public school, there's, I mean, and it's not to blame the teacher. They have, you know, 30 kids in a classroom and they're teaching them a lesson. They can't stop the whole thing and go back because three of them don't get it. You have to keep pushing them along. And that's just how it is because once again, it's not the teacher's fault. It's nobody's fault per se, but that if your child is falling behind and not understanding things, they have to move on because guess what? There's a test coming up, whether it's a state test or a test in the curriculum, they've got to keep pushing them along. So with homeschooling, if your child doesn't get it that day, you can spend two more days, you can spend two more weeks talking about that so that they can get it because what's the purpose of moving on if they're not understand they're just going to continue to you know get get lost with the next thing because there's lots of things in schooling that build upon each other so that's a big thing um and a big thing that i've noticed with aria again going back to the math is that we were able to slow down and it's been so so nice um which kind of ties in with the the last point i'll make here is going at their pace right you can take homeschooling at the pace that they need it to. I know some people will do like um, year round homeschooling. So it'll be like, okay, we're going to do four weeks of lessons and then we're going to take two weeks um, off. And it might not be like, okay, two weeks completely off because I could go off on a tangent here about how you just kids are learning in everyday activities. It's not all about the school books, but anyways, um, going. That's a whole nother podcast. It really is. (laughs) I could go off on a tangent with that, but no, just going at their pace. And I can't tell you too, how many conversations I've had to have because lots of people think, oh, you have a teaching background. So this is it. Like you've made it, but there's actually so many situations where I've had to remove that mindset so that I could be a better homeschooling mom and not push my kids along because, oh no, you're in sixth grade. You have to reach these standards. So um, those I would say those are like the, the main things, one-on-one teaching, going at their pace. You make those decisions of what you want your child to to learn on a day-to-day basis. A hundred percent. And Ashley, mom's on either side. You're, you're so great about reminding moms that, hey, any teacher in a typical school setting is of course doing the best that they can. And any mom who sends their children to school and follows that traditional method is doing the best that she can and is doing what feels right to her. And that's always our message is, Hey, on this podcast today, you can learn so much about homeschooling, but ultimately do what feels best for you and your family. And don't consider the opinions or the pressures or anything from anyone else, because that's where as moms, we start to question ourselves. We start to feel guilty, all these things that just help us or help us just cause us to really spiral out of control. So learning so much on this podcast today as a mom, I hope you as a listener just know, take this information, get a little bit better and do what feels best for you and your family. Because I know that 
Ashley, your entire journey has just been you like trying to figure out what, what is best for my kids specifically? What decisions can we make as a family? So when let's say that there is a mom who listens to this and is on the fence or a mom who has been on the fence just about, you know, continuing with their current game plan of going to school versus homeschooling, what would you recommend a mom to consider if she's thinking about making the jump? Try it. What is, I mean, so many people have this fear of like, you know, what will happen? What if, okay, we'll try it. And guess what? If it doesn't work out for you, if it's not for you, you can put them back into public school. But if you have this curiosity, why not go and just, you know, dive into it and see what happens. Um, Also on top of that, find a friend, find someone or, you know, message me, whatever it is that you've got to do, find someone and just pick their brain. Because I had that person I would, I would ask them, I mean, just there, any question that popped into my head, get on Instagram or send them a text message and just be like, okay, but what about this? But what about this? And just ask all the questions and try to find someone, a, a friend, right? A real person that you can talk to, because I know there's an endless amount of um, accounts out there, but it can also, you know, just like you talk about with social media, there's good and there's bad. And sometimes you want to sit there and compare yourself to this homeschool mom. And you really can't do that because every single journey is going to be different. But biggest thing, if you're on the fence about it, just try it out and, you know, see, because if it doesn't work for you after a few months or even just a year, you can always send your child back to public school and, you know, maybe try again later when they're older, or if it's just not um, for you, because I know with Aria, we take it year by year. I won't sit here and say like, I'm never going to put her in public school. Her, it's a little bit different because she did go to public school for so long. So every year it's just like, okay, let's see, you know, how we do this year and how things work out high school, right? It starts to get scary when they're in high school. And then you start thinking about college and all those things. You could have a whole podcast on that too, Elena, but that I just, you were just taking it a year at a time. So if you're on the fence, you know, try it and just see. I love that advice. Now let's talk about the other side of it. Cause I like to address the big questions that I know everyone has the concerns that maybe they don't want to ask a mom who homeschools. I'm going to ask you because I know that they're curious. So a big concern that I know a lot of moms have when they consider making this decision is how can I facilitate the socialization aspect if they're home doing homeschooling with me day in and day out? Let's talk about that. So what's your thoughts or, you know, what's your stance on this concern? Yes. Socialization, right? First of all, I want to say you guys, I had the same concern, right? And I still in the back of my mind, there's like this little voice, like, did your kids, are your kids socializing enough, right? Are they getting enough time? So that is totally- Wait, you mean as a mom, you continue to question yourself? What? That's unheard of. <laughs> every single minute of every single day. <laughs> did I just raise my voice a little too loud? You know, like, yes, no, questioning always. And so that was definitely a concern for me because it's most popular concern that you hear about is people saying like, okay, but how do your kids socialize? Well, if you've met my children, obviously not Ezra, because he's not really, you know, he's not talking yet, but Aria and Emery, if you've met them, they have zero issue with socializing with people. So that is first and foremost is just saying like, your child is not going to become this, you know, strange hermit. Who doesn't know. <laughs> yes. Like, 
You know, do you go to the grocery store? We'll take your kids to the grocery store. There are other human beings at the grocery store. Teach them to have, you know, manners and hold the door open for people. So many little things like that that we just don't really think about, but it's true, right? Like I know Walmart pickup is great, but every once in a while, you know, hey, kids, guess what? We're going to load up. We're going to go to the grocery store and, you know, little things like that because there's people out there and they can interact. But on top of that, there's activities, right? Aria is in quite a few activities because she was, she had a lot of interests this year. And so she goes and does those activities and guess what? There's other kids there, right? At dance class, at her art club, um, there's kids there that she's able to interact with. But one of the biggest things that I like to say whenever it comes to that socialization piece is in the public school, you guys, they're not in school to socialize. And just because there's other kids around doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing that socialization that you're thinking of, which is good for the kids, because they're in a classroom there and they're there to learn. I can't tell you how many times I remember as a teacher saying, boys and girls, like, we're not talking right now. We're doing this, right? And that's not to say that teachers are bad or anything like that. This is just, that's what they're doing. They have a very limited Mm -hmm. time to get all the information in. So realistically, if you're dropping your child off at school early, they might have 10 to 15 minutes out on the schoolyard where they are doing this socialization. Um, They get one, maybe two recesses, depending. I'm sure it's different at every school. Um, And then they've got a lunch break. And I know at the schools I taught at, lunch was not for socialization. You are in and out. And those lunch ladies are very strict about that. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I always tell people, like, I don't know what socialization they think that they're getting in a, in the public school, but it's really not all that great. Um, and then the other point that I always like to make on this is when you are done with school and you're out in the real world, I don't remember the last time that I was sitting in a room with 20 to 30 people of my age and just working with them, right? You go out in the real world and you're talking to people who are 10 years older or geez Louise and I'm going to make myself feel old 10 years younger than you right you're all in that same area and you are working with different people well you have the ability to do that with your kids in homeschool they are socializing with their siblings they're socializing with you right there is homeschool co-ops I guarantee you that if you look on Facebook or um, talk to people around you There's co-ops, which is groups of, you know, other moms who homeschool and you can get together and have, you know, play dates and things like that. So your child is not going to be a hermit who never sees, you know, another child again. It might not be 20 kids who are all their age, but that's not realistic. That's not real world where they're going to be, you know, doing that every single day. So I love, you know, hearing about people and their concerns for socialization, but it's, it is what you make of it too. And if you are so concerned with that, then you're going to find more things for them to be able to do to get out and socialize. Um, if you sit in your house, yes, all day long, every single day of the week, well, it is going to be a little bit more difficult, but it's really, like I said, if you met my kids, they have no issues with talking to people and having a conversation. So <laughs> No and it, it's like most it's it's like most things, even if they do go to a public school setting, you get out of it what you put into it, even as a parent, like once they come home, that time that you spend with them one on one is what probably makes the biggest difference. And I would say one of the most interesting things I've learned from you over the last few years 
on the topic of homeschooling is about the co-ops. I I don't know if I was just oblivious or the fact that I hadn't looked into it before, but the co-ops make so much sense because you get together with your co-op weekly, right? We do bi-weekly this year. Bi-weekly. But you yeah. do field trips and you do different like socializing activities and and ways for the the kids to get out in the community and like you said actually put their skills to use. And I think that's one of the most valuable things that I learned about homeschooling that kind of put all the pieces together for me of yes, other moms who are homeschooling their kids bring everyone together. That makes so much sense just for the kids to not only be able to get together and have those experiences, but they still get the field trips. They still get the community outings. They still get opportunities to have real world, real world practice for what they're learning. So I think that's great. And so hopefully that's something that someone else didn't know and could learn. Cause I'll humble myself and say that before you taught me that <laughs> I didn't even know that those existed. But yeah. we we touched either. on, oh, go ahead. I just said, I didn't know they existed either until I started like, you know, diving deep into figuring out, oh, I'm going to do this. So, okay, co-op, what, what the heck is a co-op? But I guarantee you, you'll find in your area. Absolutely. So I know you've touched on a few resources. Um, specifically, you talked about the different subscriptions that you do and in different ways that you help them engage using technology. Can you share, just in case there's any that you haven't mentioned yet, any um, specific resources, YouTube accounts, Instagram accounts, podcasts. I know that you've sent some great ideas to me just to use with Carter and trying to limit screen time, but any resources you love that you haven't brought up yet that a homeschooling mama could utilize or any mom could utilize just to help her kids engage? Yeah, for sure. So I know as far as like Instagram accounts for that help me with homeschooling, but then also being a mom. Um, I love M is for mama. If anybody, she has books out, but she also has a podcast and her Instagram account is great. So that's right there can get, you know, all three. Um, she's awesome. And she's a mom of 10. So she will wow. have lots of information for Bless you. Her. Age groups as well. Um, my friend too, who is really, she helped me so much. I have to, you know, recommend her. She's Rome with the Rams and she's awesome. They sold their house. They have an RV, they travel and they do homeschooling and it's absolutely amazing. So she's awesome. Um, and then um, there's one other account too, that I really love because lots of people get stuck on which you could have a whole podcast on this, Elena, um, working moms who want to homeschool their kids. Mm -hmm. So her account, she is working underscore to underscore homeschool. She's a working mom who homeschools her littles and she just had a baby. So <laughs> lots of information. She doesn't have that much on her plate and somehow she posts on social media, which is incredible. <laughs> exactly. You won't find that. Yeah. I don't, I, you won't find that on my social media <laughs> account. I haven't figured that out yet, but no, she's really good. Um, as far as podcasts for moms too, about homeschooling, um, the M is for mama. She has a podcast and then calls to homeschool. They're good ones that have like some good, information about homeschooling. Um, I'm sure there's more, but those are the ones that I could think of. And then as far as podcasts for your kids to, to listen to, oh my gosh, the possibilities are endless. Um, there's one that we hear called wow in the world, which is science. My girls absolutely love it. And guess what? There's days where we don't open a science textbook. We listen to a podcast and do they learn? Yes, they absolutely mm -hmm. learn and take it away. Um, Emery, she loves like listening to stories and stuff. Well, sometimes we're, I'm busy, right? I can't sit there and read a book to her in that moment. Well, we, she has, um, oh shoot, what's it called? I have the name of it. Barely. 
barely, barely bear. And they read sweet little um, stories to the kids and she loves it. Um, those are the ones that I can think of off the the top of my head as far no, as. No, that's great. It, yeah. it gives a mom an idea of where she can start to look up some resources or maybe grab some stuff for her kids. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the podcast is just idea sharing and kind of planting a seed where a mom can start to dig in more and learn more and consider other options. So I just appreciate everything that you've shared. Now I want to bring it all together and just ask you before we finish up today's podcast, what would be a message that you're a listener of the MWO podcast? I know you are because you, you'll you text me about it. And what's a message that you would like to leave the listeners with today at the end of this podcast? You know what's best for your kids. You know better than anyone. You know your children. And, you know, hey, maybe even homeschool works for one child, but not for another. You know what's best for your littles, mama. And... Secondly, you do not need a teaching credential to know that you will be a good homeschooling mom. Just because I have one has, I could be a horrible homeschooling mom with a teaching credential. So I just really like to emphasize because a lot of people, they do, they come and they say like, oh, well, good thing you have a credential. So, you know, you're qualified to do it. That it's not necessarily a good thing that I have a teaching credential. Sometimes I have to stop myself and say, you know, this is not the best for my children just because it was the best thing in the classroom. So if you love your kids and you have the desire to teach them and be at home with them, do it. You, you can do it. You'll never regret it. I firmly believe that you're exactly where you're meant to be. Well, Ashley, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've already told you thank you like a million times this week, just because I've been so happy to have you on here. But I just really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk. And I'm sure we're we're cutting into school time today. Everyone, I'm taking a little bit of homeschool time, but I'm sure the kiddos are perfectly fine with playing and driving each other crazy on the living room. But I just want to leave you all with the same message I always leave you with. First of all, remember that you come here just to get a little bit better for your family every single day. Anything that you ever hear on a podcast, anything that you ever hear on social media, it's not there to make you feel guilty, mama. It's not there to make you judge yourself or compare yourself to anyone. Ashley has been through the ringer of ups and downs and deciding what's best for her family. And all of us moms just do, we do just that. We do the best that we can with what we have with the current situation that we're in. And mama, I just want to give you this reminder. If you're listening today and no one's told you yet that you're doing an amazing job. Any decision that you make for your family is one that you should make with your own intuition and what you know is best for them. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll be back on Monday for a pep talk. We'll talk soon. If you loved this episode of Moms Working Overtime, do me a favor. Share it on social media or send it to another mom to remind her that you love her and that she's doing such an amazing job. There's nothing more incredible that we can do in this community than remind other mamas of their strength. I'm so glad you were here today and just know that I appreciate you an overtime amount.